0: This podcast is generously supported by the Jesus Bible NIV edition with exclusive articles from Louis Giglio, John Piper, and Randy Alcorn. The Jesus Bible lifts Jesus up as the lead story of the Bible. It is available as a full study Bible, as well as available as individual Bible journals. Find out more at www.thejesusbible.com.
1: Want to learn how to interpret and teach the entire Bible in a way that is Christ centered and clear Learn with us here on the Christ Centered and Clear Podcast.
0: Welcome to the Christ Centered and Clear Podcast, where we have conversations about Christ and all the scriptures for every church. We've Uh, taking a tad bit of a break in Judges to just post some sermons in Judges. We've heard from uh, Jeff Hay and we've heard from John, uh, but we're going to dive back in just to discussion and kind of pick back up with the story of Gideon uh, and kind of work our way through the rest of the book. And so uh, have with me this this week uh, and in subsequent weeks, John Aiken, uh, Jeff Hay, and Peyton, who've been on, Peyton Hill, who've been on before in Judges. So, John, we're going to start with you. Uh, give us a summary. Really, it's Judges six through eight. Give us a summary of the Gideon story, and then from there, we'll kind of. Well, one, give us a, a reason why you broke it down the way you did. I know Jeff broke it down a little bit different, and we'll have him talk about that. But then, give us a summary, and then we'll jump into the uh, Christ Center connections and application. Yeah. So the way I mean, we we broke it down basically a week per per judge, and so I I, I understand some people do that differently. We just didn't want to be in the in the book, you know, for uh, three, four months, we wanted to kind of um, take it in about 10, 10, uh, 10 swings or so. And so what you have happening in uh, judges is that you have, there's kind of, um, there's 12 judges, okay? And there's six major and six minor judges. And then um, Gideon, we're going to talk about today, is one of the the six major judges. And the the, the, the six are broken up in terms of like three and then three. And then so like the final three, Gideon, Jephthah, and Samson, are by far the longest in the book. So I can, I can understand why others like Jeff might have broken some of those up. But we, we just chose to try to get through uh, in about two and a half months or so uh, in the, the sequencing. And so we just kind of summarized some material. But uh, that's why we did it that way. Jeff, why did you decide to break it up?
1: Mainly because of the length of the narrative, uh, and I think there's plenty in it. And even chapter six has the fleece incident, and, and, and I figured for our congregation that was worth spending a little bit of time explaining that. I took six on its own and then seven and eight together, but I think you could do three sermons and get in, uh, the three individual chapters. Uh, so, But I took seven and eight together as... There was, uh, well, a little bit of a, a contrast and comparing uh, between uh, those two chapters linked together, I thought. So, yeah. Peyton, when you went through this, what did, how did you break it up? Yeah, I did the same as John. I did uh, one week per judge. So, Gideon, all together, all three chapters. So cool. All right, John,
0: give us the, the summary of what's going on with the story of Gideon. Yeah, so the people do evil in the sight of the Lord again, and it seems to be idolatry because they mentioned the Baals and the Asherah. Uh, And so the Lord gives them into the hand of Midian for seven years and Midian with a coalition of some, the Amalekites and the Ishmaelites. um, And unlike some of the uh, other previous, it's not like they don't occupy the land that it's just economic devastation. So they're, they're coming in the text tells us like locusts at harvest time and, and taking the crops. Uh, It's kind of like if you, use two movies just for for jeff's because i know jeff loves movie illustrations so two movies that you could use again independence day uh you know as the the president sees into the plan of the aliens that have come to take over there he says they're like locusts they're you know they 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 consume the natural resources and they move on uh and that's the Midians were nomadic people they didn't really have a homeland um, and so they're they're traveling around. They're taking natural resources. It's similar to if you saw a movie a *Bugs Life*, the grasshoppers come in and take the ants, you know, crops and offerings and all that kind of stuff. So uh, that's what's that's what's happening here, and it's happening for seven long years. And so the the Israelites end up hiding out in caves and mountains and uh, holes in the ground, as it were. Um, and some, you know, what we see from Gideon is that potentially they were trying to do some farming and harvesting in these places so they could keep some food to themselves um, is what's happening. And so the people, then you think about the cycle, right? They, the people sin by committing idolatry. God uh, gives them into the hand of a foreign enemy, enemy judgment. And then they either, and we've had this discussion, cry out or repent. Um, and they cry out to the Lord. And finally, for the first time, I think in the book, the pattern is broken significantly because the lord does not send them a savior he sends them a sermon he sends a prophet who comes and preaches to them and indicts them for basically it's a it's a gospel centered sermon of, of like hey here's everything that god has done to save you and to establish you in the land and yet you've rejected him you've you've continued in idolatry you're not you're not getting the message you're not getting the point so i think this is a clear indication as when, when we talk about application that at this point repentance is clearly not real or sustained Um, and so the Lord, but the Lord graciously sends the sermon to try to initiate. And then even before Israel makes any movement towards repentance, um, the Lord goes to this guy named Gideon, who's from the tribe of Manasseh, who's, who's hiding in the wine press, um, you know, beating out the wheat and, um, trying again, that idea of hiding it from the Midianites. And so there's hardly, as we continue this theme of unlikely saviors, it's, 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 he's hardly a heroic guy. He's hiding out. He's going to do some things at night because he's afraid. Um, so he's hardly a an heroic guy. And I think we are, we do see glimpses uh, throughout his life that he's a guy who struggles with faith, um, and, and shows kind of weak faith or little faith. Now we'll see Hebrews 11. He is commended for his faith eventually, but, um, uh, so the Lord comes to him and, I won't go through all of it just because, you know, just not all the details, but basically says, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm raising you up as a savior. He makes these excuses of, Hey, I'm in a terrible tribe. My clan's the worst in this terrible tribe. My I'm the least in my father's house. Um, And so I don't know how in the world you could use me kind of a thing. And again, when you're reading in the old Testament and you see things like weakest, youngest, most unlikely, like your ears should perk up and you should see that that's, um, an indication for how to, you know, interpret God, obviously uh, over and over again, in the old Testament uses the youngest, the weakest, uh, the one that would be despised by the world to bring about salvation, um, you know, over and over again, Jacob, instead of Esau, Joseph, David, instead of his older brothers, etc. cetera. So, um, so he Gideon, you know, it, it, again, is this guy who struggles with with weak faith, and so the next thing that happens is a sign, basically. And again, not to get into all the details, but but basically, there is a um, a peace offering that that Gideon offers, and and then he has a fellowship meal with uh, with the Lord uh, to show that God's wrath has been averted from Gideon, and and then I think symbolically, as he's going to lead Israel to as he's going to tear down these idols that, that that wrath um is going to turn away from israel as as well. So he's he's reconciled to Gideon. He's at he's at peace. Like when Gideon at first it, it's potent, like we don't know if Gideon doesn't know exactly who it is or isn't sure exactly who that, that the Lord's speaking to him. And so once he figures it out through this peace offering that's burnt up that it's the Lord, he's scared to death. Um, and again, modern Christian readers may not understand that because we've got God as our homeboy T-shirts and things like that, but but literally, I mean, you know, Gideon and his family are idolaters. Um, I joked in the sermon Sunday. He he was raised in Baalawanas when he was a kid. You know, that's what his family um, at least, or at least combine that with the worship of Yahweh, and so he's he's at odds with the Lord, and um, and and needs to be made right with the Lord. And then the Lord tells him to go and to take, um, uh, two bulls, one of the bulls, uh, the second one, seven years old, and to tear down the altars to Baal and the Asherah pole, uh, and then to build an altar to the Lord and sacrifice the seven-year-old bull on it. Um, and he does this at night. Uh, he does it at night because he's afraid of the people in the town. Now he, he does this. Why? Why does the bull need to be seven years old? Well, because Israel's apostasy has been seven years, and Midian's oppression of Israel has been seven years. And and as I as I point out in my sermon, you know the the main issue here is it, when this happens, he becomes his name gets changed uh, to uh, the you know the one who contends with Baal or whatever the one who's fighting against Baal, and that's the key piece of the story. The Midianites aren't really the main issue that Israel has. Israel's main issue is a worship problem that they're not. Uh, worshiping the Lord God. And so the Lord goes to war against Baal before he goes to war against Midian. And uh, that's what we see happening here. The townspeople wake up in the morning, figure out what's happened. They're ticked off and they try to kill Gideon. His dad steps in. It's an interesting little story. His dad steps in and basically is like, hey, if Baal's really a God, then he can take care of my son. He doesn't need your help. And he's got 24 hours to kill the man who did this. And obviously nothing happens. This podcast is generously sponsored by The Pillar Network. The Pillar Network is a community of SBC and international Baptist churches that are doctrinally aligned, missionally driven, and committed to equipping, planting, and revitalizing churches together. If you're a pastor of an established church and you're desiring to lead your congregation to plant churches, but you're not sure how to get started, Pillar could be a great resource for you. Reach out to them today at thepillarnetwork.com. Thepillarnetwork.com. And then just to, to quicken the pace, uh, the The locusts come, you know they encamp and they're, get, they're getting ready to take uh, the harvest. The spirit of the Lord comes upon Gideon, and he gathers uh, an army from the local tribes and so forth uh, to, to get ready to go against um, the Midianites in this coalition. And then Gideon asks for two signs to, to know that the Lord's going to save Israel by his hand, and it's this fleece, you know, the uh, famous story puts out the fleece. Hey, if it's, if you're going to do this, then in the morning I want the fleece to be wet. You know, there's lamb skin to be wet and then um, the ground to be dry. And then the next morning he's like, okay, Hey, let me trouble you a little bit more tomorrow. Let's let the ground be wet and the fleece be dry. And it happens. And so um, Gideon leads this army against the Midianites. And then there's in chapter seven, there's a lot, of discussion. We can get into some of it about the trimming process, but basically God says in chapter seven, verse two, the people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand, lest Israel boast over me saying my own hand has saved me. And so he goes through this trimming process to get it down um, from 32,000 soldiers all the way down to 300. And the main point here is that the Lord is the one who is saving Israel. The Lord is the one who is is giving the victory in fact he even gives a, another uh you know sign to strengthen Gideon's faith when he has Gideon go down at night into the camp and he hears these two soldiers where one's recounting a story of a, a dream he had the night before where a loaf of bread takes out his tent and um and he says i know it's Gideon you know that the lord's going to give us in the hand of Gideon so they're they're scared to death uh the midianites are and so in the the battle uh, in the initial battle, the 300 kill no one. Um, it's, it's a it's a ratio of 450 enemy soldiers to every one Israelite soldier. And all the Israelites have are apparently are trumpets, pots and torches. And they don't have, you know, the weapon cache that the others have. But the Lord with the trumpets and the breaking of the pots and so forth, the Midianites are turned to confusion. They turn on each other, kill each other, and then they run off. and then. Uh, Gideon calls on the um, you know the Ephraim to pursue the people who are, are um, running off. And one of the interesting things that happens here, one of the ironies in the text, is that uh, the two kind of princes or generals—one's uh, guy's name name means the wolf; the other guy's name means the raven. One's found hiding in a rock. One's found hiding in a wine press. So the exact same places that Israel was hiding, now the Midianites are hiding, and and God gives them the victory and they, they crush the heads. (laughs) Literally they take the heads of the wolf and the raven and bring them to Gideon. And then chapter eight, um, and there, we can get into some of this. There'll be interesting discussion. I, I think chapter eight is, is Gideon, um, not just a savior figure, but a judge figure who's pouring out judgment. He's pouring out judgment on the Midianites by, by cap, you know, capturing the Kings of the Midianites. And then he pours out judgment on Israelite towns that refused to help him um, and that had turned against him. And then um, uh, the the text, the, the story of Gideon kind of proper ends with the people of Israel coming to him and trying to set him up as king and set up a dynasty with him, that him, his son, his grandson will be king. And Gideon gives the correct response. He refuses to become king. And then the rest of the story of the life of Gideon is him not being consistent with his response. And so he, like if you go to Deuteronomy 17 and the law of kings, again, the the issue for Israel was not that they shouldn't have a king. It's the kind of king they wanted. They weren't supposed to have a king like the kings of the nations. And so the kings of the nations, what do they do? They multiply gold. Well, the first thing that Gideon does is he asks them to to bring the spoil from the war, the, the nose rings from the Ishmaelites. And weighs 1,700 shekels of gold, and he creates an ephod that basically becomes uh, a snare and an idol that the people of Israel uh, worship. Next thing that Deuteronomy 17 says is that, that kings are not supposed to multiply wives for themselves. Gideon marries a bunch of women and has a bunch of girlfriends and has 70 sons. And one of his sons, we learn um, in chapter 9, his name is Abimelech, which means my dad is king. And so um, over and over and over again, uh, despite him correctly rejecting, he um, he falters at the end of his life. And the, the land has rest for 40 years under Gideon, but it's the last rest statement in the book. And so there's not going to be any more rest uh, after this. So that's a that's, a, again, a very quick summary.
1: That's yeah. a very quick summary. How long yes. do you preach for on a Sunday?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I preached uh forty-five to fifty minutes this weekend.
1: Ah, uh, there you go. That's 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 that that's why I did it in a few chapters. Uh, how how long you sermons? It? I probably about thirty minutes actually. So yeah, I did chapter that's six. And, good for you. Uh, that's better. Terminets. <laughs> Terminets for Christian in Ireland. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's it. No, very good. Good good summary. But uh, yeah, I had a lot in there indeed. I appreciate you busting on him, Jeff. So why don't you share what you would add to the uh, summary? No, no, great summary. There's a lot in there. I think what he talked about in the the first uh, section of of chapter six, and that's why I dealt with it on its own, was this uh, change from the normal cycle. Uh, And bringing in the prophet and the sermon and where it talks about Israel, what they've done wrong in a sermon as they've not obeyed his voice. And then I think we see that Gideon is obviously one of these Israelites who has not obeyed his voice. Uh, And I think that is a key verse and, and theme for chapter six, because God speaks to him and gives him signs at numerous times and there's a lack of faith there but that's regarding chapter six chapter seven as we saw is yeah whittling it down and showing that God's the one doing the rescue and then it'll be interesting chapter eight uh interested in John there to hear what he's saying about the Gideon coming as judge and whether what he's doing is right or wrong in chapter eight maybe we'll get into that's good Peyton anything from you no, not really. I just think uh, I think in the summary, John did a really good job. I think that often, though, when you're teaching this and preaching this, it seems like most people know about the fleece or they know about the lapping of the water um, or they know about, you know, the the crazy way that they were able to win the battle. And so I think when you're working through this, you have to do it in such a way that you're able to to get the background material, but also highlight and spend time. Actually explaining what those things mean uh, and what they don't mean for modern hearers, because I think that's what most people in the pew are trying to take away from the Gideon story.
0: For listening to the Christ Centered and Clear podcast. If you have questions or topics or texts you would like us to consider for future podcasts, please contact us at ChristCenteredAndClear at gmail.com and please visit us at ChristCenteredAndClear.com for more resources.